G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, just recently we were talking about a new video that's been released by ISIS, the Islamic State. It's entitled, Incite the Believers and Urges Potential Jihadi Terrorist Attacks Using an Ancient Weapon to Attack Nations like Australia. Now, the ancient weapon is said to be the use of fire in deliberately lit bushfires and targeted arson attacks. Well, we're back with another update on how we ought to be thinking about the possibility of these sorts of attacks on Australian soil. Mark Jury is back with us. He's director of the Institute for Spiritual Awareness and also senior research fellow at the Arthur Jeffrey Centre for the Study of Islam at Melbourne School of Theology. Mark Jury, welcome back to 2020. Good to be back. Mark, most sensible, level-headed thinking people will say, why would Australia be targeted for attack by people who are from the Islamic and those more extreme versions of Islamic religion. What do you say to people when they ask that question? Well, I think the fundamental perspective of these people is that if you're not a Muslim living in the house of Islam, you're not safe. You know, there's, there's no protection guaranteed for someone who's a non-believer living outside an Islamic state. There's this doctrine um, that says your blood is halal. It's not a crime to kill you. And this is, seems kind of bizarre and strange for, uh, for most modern secular people to imagine. But that is a, a, has been a mainstream Islamic view. The world is divided into two, the, the house of Islam and, and the house of war. And that is the place where non-believers are. And if you're in the disbelievers, the land of the disbelievers, uh, then you are fair game. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's their worldview. So because we live in Australia, we live in what is called disbeliever land. And while we might talk about all sorts of issues around a culture war, East versus West, uh, we might talk about race issues. But when it comes to religion, this is one of the big, big divisions. The idea that Islamists have a disbeliever land as everybody who's not Islamic. And therefore, we all come under the possibility of being on the receiving end of violence. Uh, That's hard to believe for some. But this is not just something new. This is quite historic. Yes, uh, the traditional Islamic doctrine of war is that non-Muslims can only be safe from Islam, from the jihad, if they surrender to it and agree to live under it as second-class people within the Islamic rule. But if they're not under that protection or if they haven't been given a temporary protection by Islamic authorities, for example, to pass through an Islamic country as a merchant or whatever, then um, their goods, their person is halal, it can be taken. Um, When the Americans were talking with representatives from the Barbary states in the 19th century, they were shocked to hear this view that was put to them by the ambassador of the Barbary state in Paris that it was part of their religion. They had every right to go and enslave Americans and to sell them and to take their goods because, in fact, they said this was their duty. Uh, and some um, Islamic theologians have said it's a duty to 
attack and enslave non-Muslims. Their, their property should be taken and released and liberated and, and, and given to Islam because Islam should rule. So, yeah, it's a very, um, it's quite an ancient perspective and uh, it's completely kind of contrary to the modern mind, but this is the way uh, ISIS believes. This is the worldview they're trying to promote. So when we hear of terror attacks, it's a little bit like a ancient form of a marketing campaign uh, because it brings to the fore the idea of this Islamic state that wants to establish itself, uh, even though there might be only very small numbers in that particular country. So it certainly gets everyone's attention because it causes such fear. Yes, and, and these convinced people, the, 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 the militants, they have a very long-term view. So they love to have, be able to rule the world tomorrow, but they, they realize they can't, and they've been fighting for, you know, 1,400 years, so they take a long-term perspective. Um, there were prophecies in the time of Muhammad, predictions that Constantinople would fall to Islam. Well, it took 700 years, but they said, oh, well, it's time has come. You know, when will Rome fall? So it's, um, these people have very long-term memories and they think in terms of long-term strategic objectives. So their goal is to make Islam seem glorious and to raise it up. And one of their uh, problems is the, um, the lack of commitment of many Muslims to this cause, to this militant cause. And they believe that if only the Muslims of the world could really unite behind the purpose of making Islam great through conquest, and intimidation of disbelievers, then um, it, the, the lot of Muslims, the situation of Islam would be greatly improved. So they want opportunities to, um, to trumpet their successes. They, they want to show that they're a real force. And one of the ways they can do that is by killing people. So they're hoping this will inspire um, young um, Muslims of a sort of fairly radical disposition to get on board with them and, and get aligned with them. And look, in many respects, they're their message has been extraordinarily influential. There's so many thousands of young Muslims from all over the world flocked into Iraq and Syria to join ISIS. And even now, there are organizations throughout Africa and the Middle East that are just eager to be carry the name of ISIS and to be associated with it because they, they feel that this is the route through to the reestablishment of the glory of Islam in the world through, through conquest and through raising, inciting uh, the believers, as the, as the video is called, to, to have this hope of victory. Uh, what do our law enforcement authorities do with, you know, the appearance of this latest video that suggests attacks by lighting deliberate bushfires or arson attacks? How do you think our law enforcement authorities, uh, which appear to be quite secularised, how do they cope with this idea that this is so radical and so dangerous for a nation like Australia? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think the um, the intelligence authorities, the security authorities, uh, are definitely very active to try and uh, stop terrorist events and attacks. And so they'd be they're looking out for people who are radicalised who are talking about these sorts of plans. Um, and and they've had quite a lot of success in in identifying people and putting them in prison. Um, the, the, there is a problem for them in that they haven't been very effective, I don't think, in stopping the ideological, uh, the promotion of, of ideas. So um, they really need the Muslim community to repudiate these kinds of teachings. And that you know, could be more successful, I think, than it has been. Also, 
the authorities won't act against people who just teach a, an in-principle idea of jihad. They they won't suppress the teaching that you know you 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 don't have a right to to your safety unless you're under Islamic rule. They'll 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 intervene to deal with uh, particular plans for terrorist events, but they won't necessarily counter the, um, the 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 root ideology that's the cause of the problem. And in some, to some extent, they sometimes are in denial about that too because of the secular secular worldview they bring. Um, and I've spoken to people from the security uh, you know, community at different times, and I think they do struggle. I mean, when there's a concrete threat, they can respond to that. But the deeper theological challenge is, is one that's harder for them to engage with and deal with and counter. I'm sure it's baffling for those secular authorities, but... What are your thoughts around this idea, Mark, that the best resistance is to be more Christian? And that goes for a whole nation. Well, what does that mean? I mean, that you love others and show kindness and hospitality. You know, that that warm embrace of the other is not going to stop these kinds of movements. You know, in the UK, um, some of the radicals joked about the job seeker allowance and they called it a jihad seeker allowance. Like they, they had absolutely no shame in taking whatever they could from the state instead of feeling grateful for being welcomed and loved and accepted as strangers in, in another person's country and becoming citizens in the UK. They, they, their response was, we're entitled to this. We, you know, we, we, we should take over. You know, we should rule. And so just being, being kind and loving is not going to... Um, it's not going to change this core mindset. Having said that, you know, um, many Muslims are becoming Christians and they're leaving Islam and perhaps the biggest factor they report is uh, is encountering the love of Christ uh, among Christians. So personally, I think reaching out to your Muslim neighbor and befriending them and sharing love with them and, and showing them who you are, that's a really good thing and, and Christians should be doing that. They should be reaching out to care for and build bridges to their to their Muslim friends. But this ideology is a different issue. Um, uh, one of the big problems is, the, um, is this narrative, you know, that Islam should rule, and it's not ruling, and it's suffered because of the West. And so they're trying to reassert the glory of Islam through conquest. Um, they'd be glad to convert more cathedrals to mosques, you know. Uh, that's the way they think. Um, there is a, um, another effect that's happening that's causing Muslims to walk away from these ideas, and that is that wherever radical Muslims have had a go at re-establishing utopia, where they've had a go at establishing an Islamic order, like ISIS, for example, or the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, it's actually caused chaos and destruction and harm. And as a result, Muslims are beginning are increasingly doubting the narrative about establishing the glory of Islam through through violence. You know. The Muslim Brotherhood said that Islam was the solution, but when they got in power, everything got worse. So that, that's caused a lot of you know, soul-searching amongst Muslims. So many Muslims are actually leaving Islam because of that. So Islam, in a way, is eating itself to death within itself, like it's destroying itself because this narrative of victory is so um, unsuccessful. And Iran is the great example. You know, they said, let's have an Islamic republic. They got that in 1978, and the result's been disastrous. And as a result, many, many young Iranians, you know, dislike, even hate Islam, and they're turning away from it. So I think Christians should be bold. They should be confident in what they believe. They should reach out in love. But don't be naive about the significance of this ideology, and it's, um, it's really malevolent intentions. 
Well, so many Christian believers are courageous and do want to embrace their Muslim neighbours. And I think we can hear you loud and clear, Mark Dury, saying don't leave your Muslim neighbour isolated. Befriending and engaging with your Muslim neighbour is going to be a powerful thing. Muslims increasingly in doubt about their own narrative and uh, citing those cases that you can see quite clearly, like, as you mentioned, uh, the issues happening around the nation of Iran. Well, great getting your insights as always, Mark Jury. Mark Jury is Director of the Institute for Spiritual Awareness and also Senior Research Fellow at the Arthur Jeffrey Centre for the Study of Islam at the Melbourne School of Theology. You can connect with Mark Jury and check out his latest articles when you go to markjury.com. That's markjury, D-U-R-I-E dot com. Mark, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's great to be with you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.